Welcome to The Lamb and the Scroll, where we unpack scripture using the rich tradition of the church. I'm your host, John Brayer, and in this Christmas episode, we'll be looking at the first chapter of Matthew, particularly the genealogy. If you went to the Christmas Vigil Mass yesterday, you heard for the gospel, Matthew chapter 1, or at least an excerpt from Matthew chapter 1. And in that uh, excerpt from Matthew chapter 1, you hear a genealogy. And in fact, the first verse of the entire New Testament, Matthew's gospel, reads this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it goes on to list all of the generations, starting from Abraham, proceeding straight to Jesus. And it's perhaps not the most exciting way to begin a gospel, perhaps not the most exciting reading to hear at a Christmas Mass. Which leads us to the question, why did Matthew bother beginning his gospel, the story of the good news, after all that's what gospel means, why did he begin it all with this genealogy, with his list of Jesus' ancestors? There must have been something important there or else he wouldn't have begun there. And so in this episode, I'd like to briefly break down that genealogy to perhaps explain some of the intricacies. Now, there's a lot more there that we could get into, especially as we look at a, uh, some of the spiritual reflection you can do on the genealogy. But I at least want to give you some of the context that can help us to understand why the genealogy is so important for Matthew. So Matthew's gospel is primarily targeted at a Jewish audience. So his primary original readers would have been Jews who were exploring this person, Jesus, who wanted to learn more about him and come to encounter him through this story. And so for that reason, Matthew is very clearly connecting parts of Jesus' story back to the history of the Jews. And so that's why, for example, he begins his genealogy back with Abraham. For Jews, Abraham is the father of many nations, right? He's the father of their uh, tribe, then their nation, then their kingdom. And it's the Abrahamic covenant that's going to have its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. And that's why Matthew begins by drawing his readers right back to Abraham and then connects Abraham right to Jesus. Drawing as he goes through the genealogy, drawing his way through the great patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, the kings, including David, and then shows how eventually Jesus comes from this line. And he's making subtly this comment to his readers saying, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah, the anointed one, who is the blessing for all nations that we've been awaiting from the Abrahamic covenant. Now, later in Matthew's gospel, as this story continues to unfold, primarily about Jesus' birth, we're going to see uh, Matthew emphasizing things that, again, would be reminding a Jew of his or her own story. So, for example, and just one example for right now, in Jesus' early life, Matthew profiles the, uh, the, the evil king Herod, who is threatening infanticide and, in fact, is going to kill all of these newborn males because he's heard that there is a new king who's going to take over. And it's because of this that Joseph receives a dream in which he's told, take your family and go to Egypt. Joseph, of course, obediently responds, silently responds. He's another silently obedient figure, just like Abraham, takes his family and ultimately saves Jesus' life in that way. Now, the Jew who is rem reminded of his or her own history is reminded of the infanticide from Exodus, where the Pharaoh has ordered the execution of all Israelite boys because he's worried about an uprising. And it's Moses who is miraculously saved and who ultimately leads the Israelites to freedom. Now, in kind of an ironic twist, he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And of course, it's into Egypt that Joseph brings his family to save them from Herod. 
And so it's not exactly the same story, but nonetheless, these Jewish readers, familiar with their own history as a people, would be seeing these undertones in the stories. That's one great example of how Matthew is, is intent upon drawing on his readers' experience and their faith tradition. Now, as we look back at the genealogy, so again, back to chapter 1, what we'll notice is that Matthew presents it in three different sets. And there are actually 42 generations that he profiles between Abraham all the way leading right up to Jesus. And he, again, breaks this down into three sections. And 42 divided by 3 is 14. Each section is uh, 14 generations long. And towards the end of this genealogy, Matthew summarizes this by saying, Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14. So again, he's saying Abraham to David, 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. And so I think one of the uh, points that Matthew's trying to make here is that this is not random accident. This is not just random chaos that has resulted in this person, Jesus, coming from the same line. No, this is a very clearly ordained plan by God to bring about salvation through this family line. And that's why he's intent, he being Matthew, is intent on saying, here's how it happened. Here's how the generations played out. Notice the similarity in these three distinct uh, units. Again, from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, from the exile to the Christ. This is a plan. This is not an accident. God's salvific plan has been set in motion. And it's coming to fruition in the person of Jesus. Now, perhaps even a little bit more remarkably, as you dig a little bit more deeply into this genealogy, again, you'll notice 14 names in each of those three sections. Now, this is where we're going to do a real deep dive, just for a minute. There was uh, an ancient practice called gematria, through which people, and in this case Jews, would assign values, so numerical values, to individual letters. And as such, then words would have values that would be equal to the sum of the individual letters. Now, what's fascinating is that the name David, which would have been written DVD, had a numerical value, according to Gematria, of 14. Now, that's no coincidence. Matthew is again pointing out here very subtly to his Jewish audience who would know this, this is not random accident. This is God's plan that he's ordained that he's brought into motion, that he's carried from the beginning of time through Abraham, through the patriarchs, through the kings, through the exile, up to Jesus. Now, if you look closely at the genealogy, you'll find many flawed figures. These are not perfect people. But again, this is a reminder that God chooses to work through the unexpected. He works through us to achieve his ultimate goal of salvation. And that's what he's showing us here at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. This whole story of the good news comes from this broken family line that nonetheless God chooses to work through. His salvific plan is not derailed by us. It's not derailed by sin because God wants us to be with him. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, let's keep that in mind that the whole point of this story, the story of salvation, leads to this person, Jesus, fully God, fully man, who is going to achieve our ultimate salvation through his life, through his death, and his resurrection. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next time.